Our scripture today is found in John chapter 6. I invite you to please rise as we give respect to the reading of the Word of God. We'll be reading 6 beginning verse 28. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Then Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, in verse 32, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Father, we thank you once again for gathering us in this wonderful morning. We know that your presence is in us and with us. And so, Father, grant to us wisdom as we continue to uh, learn from your word and listen to your words today. I am praying for an open minds, open hearts to receive your word and not only receive them, but Lord, uh, translate them into everyday living. Most especially, Father, we are talking about your name, I am. And we know, Lord, that this name is a powerful name. And Lord, it reveals to us for who you are. And so, Father, as we continue the subject uh, about your name and the saying of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the seven sayings of I am in the book of John, guide us in through, into this study. Father, we are praying for those who are not here with us. They're still on vacation. I pray, Father, for a, 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 a protection from you, a guidance from you as they come back here to join us once again to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I also pray for those who are celebrating their birthday. Thank you, Lord, for giving uh, this gift of life to them. My prayer, Father, is to continue to guide them and be with them always and give them wisdom in times of trials, and in times of, uh, oh Lord, uh, uh, prosperity, I pray, Father, that they will give back all the glory and honor to you. I also thank you for allowing Nanai and Tatai to celebrate their 53rd anniversary. Oh Lord, it's a good example to us as a young, young couples to emulate. And so, Father, we thank you, bless them, and give them more uh, years to celebrate their happy uh, marriage. And so, Father, thank you and, and bless us now for this is upper in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Every morning in the village where I grew up, it's a small village, it's called San Jose Malino, uh, Mexico, Pampanga. And so, and when people think that I, I am uh, <coughs> a Mexican, I said, ah, yes, I'm Mexican. Because I grew up in Mexico, Pampanga, Philippines. Okay. <laughs> and so that's, that's the village I grew up, San Jose Malino. But you know what? 
I noticed that uh, in our barrio or in our village, we call it uh, barrio, and of course in English, a village where I grew up, too loud no noise will wake you up every morning. Number one is the rooster's crow. I, I, you know, uh, every time I talk to my family back in the Philippines, hitting something, <laughs> hey, I know they are in the Philippines. <laughs> and so that's every morning. <laughs> you know it's morning. Second noise, loud noise, is uh, uh, a noise coming from this guy selling tinapay, tinapay, mainit na tinapay, meaning bread, bread, you know, this bread is uh, fresh from the oven, <laughs> it's still warm. Every morning the guy will go in, in front of our gate and tinapay, so you will wake up, you know. Now, what I notice is every morning, uh, our mind is programmed with what we call food. Food. <laughs> Tinapai. Bread. And so, uh, don't, don't deny it. You know, this morning when you wake up, you think about coffee, right? Or something to eat to fill your stomach. Now, in which I was reminded of this uh, story. You heard this story about the school uh, children. And his, uh, the teacher said, tomorrow morning you bring something. You bring an object that symbolizes your religious belief. And so the following day, uh, they, they brought some. And, and, and the teacher said, OK, you first. And then the, the student went in front. And he raises uh, a star. This is a star. And this is the star of David. And I am proud to be a Jew. And then the second student came up. Uh, this is my rag. <laughs> and I am proud to be a Muslim. This is our prayer rag. Third student came up and she brought something, like a bead, you know. This is a rosary, and I am proud to be a Catholic. Fourth student came up. Uh, he's bringing a casserole. He lived it up, pan and casserole. He lived it up. This is casserole and pan, and I am proud to be a Southern Baptist. You know what? That story, there is fifth student. And he came up and then, uh, uh, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> this is my to-go box. <laughs> and I am proud to be a member of Film International Baptist <laughs> Church. <laughs> it's a Tupperware. <laughs> lesson tonight, it's a wonderful thing to note that uh, Christ said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall what? Never thirst. And so, uh, again, I mentioned to you that 
uh, this coming weeks, we will be talking about the seven ayams of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the declaration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in which he is revealing himself to his disciples. Because the disciples are still wondering, who is this guy? Even though, uh, you know, he's, he's doing miracles and everything, the impossible things uh, being unveiled in front of their naked eyes, still they're wondering, who is this? And so this is a point in which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is revealing himself. If you will note, in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, he asked his disciples this question. Who do people think I, the Son of Man, am? And then they gave him the answer. People said, you are Elijah. People said, you are John the Baptist. People said, you are Jeremiah. That's people's opinion. But how about you, Simon? Simon said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, when we come into these writings of John's Gospel, Christ is claiming that he is the I Am. It's not the people's opinion, but this is his own opinion on himself. I Am. That's why last week, if you are here, we talk about uh, the very root of this um, subject when he said, when, when, when Moses said, what name will I say to the Israelite people or to Pharaoh that these people of Israel will be released? And God the Father said to Moses, tell them that this name, I am that I am. God of the past, God of the present, and God of the future. Now, uh, Bread is considered a staple food, right? And, and this is a basic dietary item. A person can survive a long time only with bread and water. And also bread is such a basic food item that it becomes synonymous with, with food in general. And we even use the phrase breaking bread together that indicates the sharing of meal with someone. And also bread plays an integral part of the Jewish Passover meal. And, and of course, in the Old Testament, the Jews were to eat unleavened bread. And this unleavened bread, of course, that is during the Passover feast. And then for seven days, following a celebration of the exodus from, uh, from Egypt. Now, finally, when the Jews were wandering in the desert for 40 years, God rained down bread from heaven. It is called Mana, okay, to sustain them. That's, of course, you can read that in chapter 16 of the book of Exodus. Now, all this plays into the scene being described in John chapter 6. We just read a portion of it, but the backdrop of this passage that we're studying today is when God, or the Lord Jesus Christ, did a miracle feeding of the uh, 5,000. And... Jesus used the term bread of life here in chapter 6. He was trying to get away from the crowds, but to no avail. He crossed the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd followed him. After some time, Jesus inquires of Philip how they're going to feed the crowd. But Philip's answer, of course, displays his little faith. 
because we don't have money. We don't have any food. And, of course, there's this uh, Andrew. He brings to Jesus a boy who had five loaves and how many, how many fish? Only two. And then, of course, with that amount, Jesus miraculously fed the throng with lots. Of course, there are some uh, 12 baskets left over. That is to go. 12 baskets to go. They are a member of Philam International Baptist Church. <laughs> Afterwards, <laughs> Jesus and his disciples <laughs> crossed back to the other side of Galilee. And so when the crowd sees Jesus has left, guess what? They followed him again. And Jesus takes this moment to teach them a lesson. He accuses them, or the crowd, of ignoring his miraculous signs and only following him for the free meal, gratis, free meal, free food. And so Jesus tells them in John chapter 6, verse 27, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of God will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Now, in other words, they were so enthralled or thrilled with the food. They were missing out the fact that their Messiah had come. I am in front of you. They were, they were focusing on what we call temporal. And so uh, the Jews asked Jesus for a sign. And of course that sign that he was sent from God. And from here the conversation started. And the Lord said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now we'll take a look at Jesus' claim. Three things we will learn this morning. First, the claim of the bread of life. Number one, the claim of the bread of life. Jesus is making claim to, of course, deity. Now this statement is the first of I am statement in the Gospel of John. Now, the phrase I am is the covenant name of God, Yahweh, revealed to Moses at the burning bush, which, of course, we studied last Sunday. Number two, the phrase speaks of self-sufficient existence, or what theologians refer as his acity or acity, which is an attribute only God possesses. Uh, we, will, we will take a look at that. Of course, we will focus on that. Number three, it is also a phrase the Jews who are listening would have automatically understood as a claim of deity. And that's why the, these, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, they, 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 they accuse Jesus of blasphemy. There is only one I am. How come you are claiming you are I am? Now, go back to letter B, of course, uh, about the acity uh, of of God. This is what the definition, I did check uh, Webster Dictionary and this is how they define it. This is the quality or state of being self-derived or self-originated. Specifically, this is the absolute of self-sufficiency, independence, and 
autonomy of God. Now, this word comes from a medieval Latin, aceitas, from a Latin a, from, se, self, from oneself. And so, the aceity of God is his attribute of independent self-existence. God is the uncaused cause or uncreated creator. How many of you uh, people ask you, where did God come from? Where did God, when he created the earth, where is he standing? You know, those kind of questions, they don't have any understanding about who really God is and also about this attribute of God. I, I want you to take a look at this. God is the uncaused cause. Now, we have an argument when you try to prove that this universe was created by God. We know that this universe is so beautiful. Our solar system and everything, they are, they are mathematically really in line with what God wants them to, most especially Earth. Earth, we are just exact distance away from the sun. Because if the sun or the Earth will be closer to the sun, what will happen to us? We will be burned. That's why during summer, it feels a little bit forward to the sun. That's why it's hot. During winter, it feels a little bit away. That's why it's cool. It's just exact. Now, who created this? There is this uh, argument that calls cause and effect. Why is this uh, plate here? Because somebody put it. Why is this flower over here? Somebody placed these flowers over it. Cause and effect. But when it comes to the aesthetic of God, we cannot use that argument because God is the uncaused cause and the uncreated creator. Nobody created God. He existed before everything existed. And he is the source of all things and the one who originated everything and who sustains everything that exists, including you and me. Have you heard the word that I said? He is the one who originated everything and sustains everything that exists. And so the aesthetic of God means that he is one in whom all other things find their source, existence, and also continuance. We continue to exist because of the I am, because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he is ever-present power that sustains all life. There is no other source of life, none other, of course, according to Isaiah 46, verse 9, like him, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. And so, uh, can you please... Uh, there you are. Okay. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. See, this is how God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, reveal himself. The aesthetic of God is expressed in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when Moses asked the Lord about his name. And so God replied, I am who I am. 
And God is the eternally self-existent, being one who always was and always be. Okay, so the agency of God is related to his complete independence. So when we talk about his complete independence, God has no need. God has no need. You have a need. I have a need. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 15, without me, you can do nothing. But we cannot say that to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has no need. He is complete in, in himself and always has been. God did not create man because he was lonely or Mr. Lonely. No, it's not. Okay? Because he needed to create. No, he is and always has been complete and self-sufficient in and of himself. God's name, I am, embodied the concept of God's eternality and immutability. Both of which are linked to his ACT. God is eternal, Psalms chapter 90, verse 2. He did not have a beginning. He was always been. God is unchangeable. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, and James chapter 1, verse 17. Always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will be what he is forever. All of God's attribute, his love, his power, wisdom are eternal and also unchanging. God will never change. People will change, but God will never change. God's ACT assures us that his autonomy is absolute. He alone decides what to do, and nothing can ever thwart or stop his purposes to keep his promises. When God makes promise, he will fulfill them. Because the Bible says he is faithful. He will, faith, uh, he will faithfully, of course, Mm, fulfill his promise. What he promises to do, he will do. What he predicts will come up to pass. And the scripture said in, in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I want. I please. This is the God that we serve here at Philam International Baptist Church. And this is the God that you said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I'll trust you whatever will happen into my life. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Many believers still worry about their future. Why worry about your future when you know that God never changes? They worry about future. They labor every day. They work hard so they can have a lot of what? Retirement fund. What else we people do to help secure our future? We do exercise every day so that we will be healthy. And when we are healthy, we can work hard, right? Sometimes we forget in these days that everything is in the hands of the Lord. Even, even those money you have in the bank, they're nothing. We've experienced 2008 economy collapse. You know what? My retirement fund those days, they're big before. 
but they, I think they just went up to 6,000. But I did not worry. <laughs> because I know who holds my future. Amen. I know who is my God. He is the God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so for those people, Christians who really work hard and hard and hard, sometimes missing spiritual things in the church, this is the message for you and me. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Isn't it wonderful that when we trust the Lord, we experience peace, joy, that surpasses all understanding? Rather than worrying about, oh, what will happen to me? You can sleep. Your mind is working nonstop for that nonsense. But when you realize that the Lord said, I am the bread of life, you will settle down. Why? Because He will satisfy you. A city of God. Number two, not only we learn that He claimed the deity I am, but number two, we learn about the illustration of the bread of life. The illustration of the bread of life. Verse 32, 33. And so the Jews came to Jesus and and request a miracle. I want you to show a miracle to prove that you are really from God. What did they call the feeding of the multitude? <laughs> and, and they remind Jesus of the Old Testament miracles of manna in Exodus chapter 16. They tell Jesus that Moses gave the children of Israel manna and they want to know what is going, what he's going to do. And so Christ's response is to remind them that Moses was not responsible for the manna, but that it was the provision of God. So he goes on to tell them that the true bread from heaven is a person. It is not a literal bread. In fact, it is Jesus himself who is the bread of life in verse 33. So what Jesus is saying is that manna was a type of himself. Jesus is a type of himself. And we'll take a look quickly on this, I think, eight. Manna speaks of Jesus. And number one, it was a small. It was small. If you read Exodus uh, 16, verse 13, manna is small. And this speaks of Christ's humility. He, was born in a king, he, he wasn't born in a king's palace, but in a manger. And so he never employed the riches at his disposal, but lived a poor life all the time, of course, he has in this world, according to Mark chapter 8, verse 20. So he came this way in order to identify himself with the sinners just like you and me so we can be saved. Number two, it's not only small, but it was a round, round 16, 14 also. This speaks of Christ's eternal nature, unending. Okay? Jesus did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. But he was always been. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. There has never been a time when he wasn't. Okay? Where he will never be time, uh, never be a time when he will not be. He is the I am. Number three, about this manna, it was white. 
Exodus 16, verse 31. This reminds us of the sinless, holy nature of Jesus himself. He was born without sin and lived without sin and died without sin. He was absolutely impeccable in his character. So Jesus is the sinless Son of God according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin for us. He's not a sinner, but he became sin for you and me. And he died on our stead. This is what we call later, and we'll talk about this, the imputed righteousness. Number four, it came at night. Exodus 16, 13, and 14. Jesus came to a world lost in spiritual darkness and gave them light and life. Well, of course, he was misunderstood by the disciples, believing that the disciples... Jesus came so that he will liberate them under the, Lord, the, the tyranny of the Roman Empire. But of course, uh, speaking spiritually, he came so that we will be saved from, from our sins. Number five, it was misunderstood by those who found it. And they called it manna, which means, what, what is manna means? What is it? They, they don't have any idea. In Tagalog, uh, probably Jewish people are taga, ano to? Ano to? Sa kapampangan? Nanoy ni. <laughs> ano to? What is, what is it? So, Jesus was misunderstood by the very people he came also to uh, save. John 1 1. He came into his own and his own did not believe in him. It's uh, John 10 20 also. And so, uh, by the way, he's still misunderstood today. Isn't it sad? Until now, he is misunderstood. That's why we need to be uh, really uh, eager in sharing the gospel. Because still, there are a lot of people who don't know who Jesus is. If you, if you share it with, with, with uh, probably Mexican people, uh, the name, of course, is Jesus. But there is Jesus working on a tire factory somewhere. They think he's the Jesus. <laughs> We need to really explain to them who is Jesus or Jesus. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> he's still misunderstood today. He's more than a teacher. He's more than a prophet, a poor, unfortunate man who got himself killed. He is the Son of God. Amen. He is the Savior. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When he was crucified. He is called the Lamb. But when he comes back, he will be called the Lion of Judah. Think about the lion, the picture of a lion. There is power. And so, it was misunderstood by those who found it. Number six, it was sufficient for, the, for every man's need in 17 to 18. So this reminds us that Jesus is the all-sufficient Savior. You know what? Uh, he meets uh, the need of man's souls. Some uh, go deep into the Christian life, others get into, but chose to play around the edges. But whatever you find yourself, as long as it is in Jesus, you will find that he is sufficient to save your soul. Number seven, it was sweet to the taste. But that manna is really sweet to the taste. Those who partook of the manna found it sweet and satisfying. Uh, uh, probably one of the reasons why 
some were tempted to, to grab more and save. Oh, you know what? They, they were not allowed to, uh, to, to get excess or hoard. Some of them are really from Philam International Baptist Church. They, <laughs> they hoard. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the Lord said, just uh, get enough for a day and you will be satisfied. I want you to read that story so you will enjoy the word of God. So all those who receive Jesus as their Savior find him to be sweet to the soul and satisfying to the life. Amen. Uh, is, is, really, is Jesus sweet to your life? Uh, it should. So that is why we are encouraged by David when he said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. God is good. And he is good oh, in it all the time. Psalms 34 verse 8. Number 8, it was to be kept and passed on to others. And so Jesus is the same way. He is to be shared with those who cross our path. How many lately you shared Jesus to your friend? We need to do this. It should be our lifestyle as a believer in the Lord. It should be normal to us. Okay? Don't be afraid. Be bold. Be bold. Be courageous. Because if we are really a follower of the Lord, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because the gospel has power to change people's and so there is more about that could be said about the manna, but of course, uh, this is enough for us to know who is this manna. Jesus says that he is the ultimate bread. Uh, Israelites ate of the manna in the wilderness, and what happened to them? They eventually died. The crowd was filled on the mountainside, yet eventually they do, they died. Jesus is the anti-type of the manna. All that it was, he exceeds. So Jesus is the greater than the bread given out on the mountainside. Remember this. All who partake of him will live forever. His guarantee is that they will never die. His guarantee is one of eternal life to, to whom? People will come to him. That's why we have John 3.16. John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 5.20. We pass from death to life. Isn't it wonderful? And so for those of you who still doubt the goodness and the saving power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, doubt no more. Surrender your life. Give your life totally to the Lord. Commit yourself to Him. He's so sweet like man. And you will realize that when you rejected Him, oh, why did I do that? Uh, you will regret those years. It's because it's so good to have the Lord Jesus in your heart and in my heart. And it's good also to serve Him. Number three and last. There is an invitation, of course. Notice the words, come and believe. This is an invitation for those listening to place their faith in Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God. So this invitation come and is found through, of course, John's gospel. Coming to Jesus involves making a choice to forsake the world and to follow him. 
Believing in Jesus means placing our faith in him that he is and who says he is. And he will do what he says he will do and that he is the only one who can. But there are words, of course, hunger and thirst. When you come and believe in me, you will never hunger and thirst again. It must be noted that Jesus isn't talking about alleviating physical hunger and thirst. The key is found in another statement Jesus made in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 6. And this is what the Lord said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? For they shall be satisfied. I like the word satisfied. You know, when, when again, this is just an illustration. When we Filipinos, we like rice. One time in our <laughs> fellowship, uh, they forgot to cook rice. <laughs> there's a lot of ulam, you know, variant. But there's no rice. But people came sad. It's because there's no rice. Rice is not enough. <laughs> Thinking about the word satisfaction. We are satisfied. Now, when it comes to spiritual matters, there is satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He is enough. He's saying he will satisfy our hunger and thirst to be made righteous in the sight of God. To be righteous in the sight of God. Now, have you noticed in our world today, if there is anything the history of human religion tells us is that people seek to earn their way to heaven. Am I right? They try to help themselves to go to heaven. See, this is such a basic human desire. Why? Because God created us with eternity in mind. And I wonder when those missionaries are trailblazing those, those uh, forests and then they uh, found a tribe and there is in the midst of this community, tribe community, there is this idol. It's because they're human being created in the image of God. And the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, no other than King Solomon, said that God has placed the desire for eternity in our hearts. And, and, and even, even the person who rejects Christ, there is longing. Those people who have a lot of things in this world, they are not satisfied. Even though they have a lot of uh, wives, they have a lot of money, they have power, they're, they're still lacking. Why? Because they're not satisfied with, with literal bread. And Christ is presenting himself as the ultimate bread. One time I was talking with this young American born Chinese, uh, he graduated from, from Notre Dame. He's a good, you know, his brain, he works at uh, 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 this uh, facility in New York Stock Exchange, and his, 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 his uh, career is, is, is business, big business. He's lending money not only, not, not, not for individual, but for big uh, corporation, and the minimum amount is 50 million. 
And so he was entrusted to loan those money to those big corporations. And we came to our conversation about talking about uh, the, this, this huge amount of money. And even though you have a huge amount of money, still, you're not satisfied. So we did talk about, uh, you know, in our prayer meeting, we, we talk about those popular singers like Michael Jackson. Uh, Robin Williams, Robin Williams, these are popular guy and rich guy. Robin Williams is the one who makes you laugh. But we don't realize that he's crying inside. So what happened? He took his own life. Same thing with who? With Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is very popular in this world. And yet, you see there is emptiness in their hearts. And that empty that vacuum in their hearts. This is what the Lord Christ is saying. I am the bread of life. I am the ultimate bread that if you eat on me, you will be satisfied. Let us not boast about our own strength, our own ability, our own knowledge, our career. Everything rests in the hands of God. Amen. We need to humble ourselves. We need to bow down ourselves into the God who said, I am that I am. We are in his mercy. And when we come into the throne of his grace, accept him as the bread of life, you will be satisfied. Rich young ruler, how can I enter into the kingdom of God? Obey the law. His answer is this. I obeyed everything. Then, Christ knows that he is wealthy. The Lord said, then, get rid of your wealth. Give it to the poor. The sad part is this. He walked away his back. Very sad. My dear friends and brothers in the Lord, don't do that. Because his wealth, his morality is not the way for him to go to heaven. The way for him to go to heaven is give himself personally to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Having that relationship, trusting him. Our dilemma is we have a desire we cannot fulfill. This is the human being. You have a desire. Human beings have a desire. And, and, and this is the dilemma. We cannot fulfill no matter what we do. That's why I chose this, this series of lessons for us to really understand who Christ is. Here at Philam International Baptist Church, we really need to understand that he is I am. And when we talk about who is I am, he is the God of past, present, and the future. I am helping you not to struggle in life when you listen to the word of God. But most especially when you give your life to the Lord. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness. And isn't it wonderful? This is one of the subjects that we talked about last night. Every human being here who lives in this world, they need Jesus. Because Jesus is the only bread that will satisfy 
God the Father, because when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, Christ's righteousness will be in us. That is what we call the imputed righteousness of God. I, w I always say this in our church, that God the Father doesn't see Joel. He sees Christ in me. Because the righteousness of Christ is in me. That's why I can go straight to heaven. It's not because of Joel. It's not because I have a lot of wealth. It's not because I am good. No. It's because of the righteousness, the imputed righteousness of Christ in me. And when the righteousness is in you, oh, you will be satisfied in life. He is our bread. Jesus satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness because he is the bread of life. This morning, I want you to bow down your hands. I want you to meditate upon what you heard today. Is Jesus Christ really the bread of your life? Or you have another bread that doesn't satisfy? If you have another bread that you think it will satisfy you, this morning, I want you to pray silently, surrender those bread that doesn't satisfy. Why don't you not invite Christ into your heart? Or if you are already a Christian, why not commit your life to the Lord? Stop struggling. Give your life to the Lord. You will be satisfied. We'll pray together. Just raise your hand. Pastor, I'm raising my hand. Please pray for me. I need to get rid of that bread that I focus on, the temporal bread. Will you raise your hand? We'll pray together. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Will you recommit your life to the Lord? Just raise your hand. Any more? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any more before we close in prayer? I will not invite you to come up front, but I just want you to raise your hand this morning. Are there any more? Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Let's all stand up. We'll pray together. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for your spirit who guides us and, and allowed us to understand your word today. Father, I know that you want us to be more closer to you and grow more in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be more closer to you and use your words, O oh Lord, to better understand who you are. So this morning, Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us and personally indeed lord you are the bread of life in you we will be satisfied thank you father for this provision lord it's not it, it did not even start in us it started in you that means lord you really love us so much no matter what and that love lord we acknowledge it's unconditional love and so father 
we continue to seek you and ask for your help and guidance. Because, Father, as we learn today, you are not limited. We are limited. We depend on you. And so, Father, thank you. I pray, Father, for those people who raise their hands. May you continue, O oh Lord, to just guide them in whatever their hearts desire this morning. Please, Father, fulfill those desires. Guide them, help them, shape them, O oh Lord, and mold them according to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Father, again, thank you. As we close, may we really, indeed, enjoy your presence. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name.